Welcome to the Learning Experience Show brought to you by eLearning Brothers. I'm your host, John Toda, and this episode is an editor's cut where we trim the full length webinar down to just the main topics and most important takeaways. That way, you get most of the webinar value in just about 15 minutes and you can listen on the go. You can always check out the rundown summary on this webinar session as well, and the episode notes will always link you right to the full video webinar on YouTube. All right, let's get into it. We're going to focus on a couple of areas that really are impacting a lot of businesses and each of you individually today. We're going to talk about three distinct workforce groups and how we would approach learning or training with those individuals. We'll talk about how corporate pain points are really connected and enabled to those workforce groups. We'll give you some ideas about how to combat some of those pain points around learning, training, talent activities. We'll dive into some immersive assessments, how that can provide you more information and data about how you should be attacking those pain points. And then we'll finally move into looking at data as an understanding of effectiveness of your program. So lots for us to discuss. So let's start off first by really looking at where we are from an industry perspective. In terms of the industry, we know that there's been a war for talent for a number of years. We also know that jobs and skills are changing at a rapid pace. And so it's critical and important for us to look at the process of recruiting the right individuals, developing them well, and engaging them in a way that we can now turn around and recruit them again internally inside our organization. What we're seeing is, is that more and more organizations are turning and shifting from hiring externally to hiring internally. And as we do that, learning, training, talent development become a very, very critical resource to be able to use to help drive that engagement level, but also to be able to help people adapt to specific skills. So as Stephen and I take you through today, come back to this as your mental picture or image that the idea that we want to help people be recruited properly, developed properly, engaged properly is important to not only the success of the organization, to your personal success, but it's very, very critical to that individual and how they see themselves within your organization. Chris and I have been talking about offline is building culture within organizations. And at the end of the day, I think one of the things that's really important is the more that we celebrate and we upskill our existing employees, the better the culture is going to be, the better the productivity is going to be, and the better the longevity is going to be. And so when Chris talks about recruiting from internal, the best way you can do that is by investing them to begin with. And that's going to ultimately save you a lot of money in the long run. So that is definitely a theme to keep in mind. There are different places where we can always put our investment in not just money, but also in time. And I think the points that you're bringing out is that investment in people and who they will be as a part of your organization really pays benefits for a long time to come. I'm preparing for this really three workforce groups. And, I, and we often talk about the in-person and the remote, but Chris kind of was jumping into the non-desk team. And maybe we can dig into that to begin with, Chris, because I think that's a forgotten group and yeah. often not planned around. Yeah, so three different workforce groups, as you're saying, Stephen, the first point I think that you and I both agree on is hybrid work environments are here to stay. 
It, it's something that we all are going to have to deal with and address and find out how we connect with and engage groups that are in different work settings. So clearly there's a lot of conversation about, well, we've got remote workers, very important, people that are in person at a desk or non-desk workers. Now this is, a, as Stephen, as you point out, is kind of the forgotten group. So a non-desk worker is somebody that might be anywhere from an airline pilot to a flight attendant to a maintenance worker at an airline to restaurant workers, those that are working in the kitchen or servers or front of restaurant staff. There, there are a lot of individuals that have that unique job to where their work location is a facility but it's not necessarily going to be something that's sitting down at a desk. This is a different interaction that we begin to look at when we might consider that a remote worker in many times is going to be engaged through an electronic medium, through the computer, kind of like what we're doing today on webinar. But then you go look at those undesk workers, which represent over 60% of the work population in North America and over 70% globally, that you're gonna reach them a lot by mobile devices. You're gonna look at different ways to be able to engage them. How do we come together in that challenge and say, we've gotta find a common way to reach all of them or do we blend that together? How those pieces come together uh, become really, really critical when we're talking about engagement of a learner. How do we really draw them into the process? So we've got common opportunity for skill development, common opportunity for being recruited into that new position, common opportunity for advancement within our business or our organization. Those non-desk workers are somebody that are they're near and dear to my heart because I interact with so many of them. I go out to a restaurant, I'm on an airplane, uh, but there are also individuals that have just as great a need as a remote worker or a desk worker. And the thing with this group also is while they're going to be learning very specific skills that might only pertain to their role, they're also going to be learning things that you're going to be teaching remote or desk workers, such as company history or culture, product information. And so you want to make sure that you are delivering it to them in a way or in a fashion that's going to work for their work situation, just as you would for someone who's sitting at a desk like I am today. The other thing to keep in mind is really level of education right? Because ultimately, regardless of which of these three groups of the person falls into, there are going to still be some commonalities in the type of training that you need to do across your organization. And you want to make sure that you're hitting really everyone in a way that they're uh, you know, best suited to learn and are going to be most engaged with your content. Stephen, I really like your point on culture because it would be very easy, especially in a learning and a talent world, to develop three unique cultures for learning just because they're diverse groups. But I think as you and I talked about in, in preparation for this, that we've got to create this common learning culture, something that is unique to the organization that addresses across educational boundaries about around kind of location boundaries, where they are and jobs and begins to reach out in a different way. I think that's one of those big challenges that sits out there is how do we resist that temptation to easily create three distinct learning cultures and create one? 
One of the things we've talked about is the corporate pain points. And especially the one all the way to the right was the one that, as we were thinking about this presentation, I think is one that we're all trying to get our heads around is rapid change, right? In the last two years, the way we do business has changed dramatically. And as we think about historically, you know, historically meaning five years ago, we talked about in 15, 20, 30 years from now, there'll be lots of jobs that don't exist today that will be the workplace. Well, that's happening at a rapid speed. And the way that we're working is changing dramatically. And so that's something that I think all companies are trying to keep up with. I think another thing that we're all dealing with is trying to think about in this new world order, how do we build a culture that is really going to make people feel like they're part of an organization? And that's really tough right now when people are not sitting you know, next to each other, they're not talking to each other beyond a screen. It's definitely an issue that a lot of organizations are focused on. When I think about any of these six pain points, or I think about others that we haven't uh, identified on this uh, screen, um, one of the things I, I think is really critical for everyone here to be thinking about is, as learning and development professionals, we have the opportunity to really create the most ROI and certainly the most profit for our organization if we focus on these and some of the other critical KPIs for, for a company's uh, existence. And I feel like we're all set up to really conquer each of these and make sure that, uh, that whether it's a, a matter of process or product knowledge or culture or upskilling, at the end of the day, we're able to set the tone for the success of a company probably more than any other function within an organization. These items were really beginning to happen to us before the pandemic started, because we could see in 2018 or 19, there were beginning to be a lot of job shift, that the change was happening rapidly, that there was more demand and pressure on L&D to go achieve things. These were things that were beginning to evolve because there was so much more awareness. So I love your thought on how do we begin to establish really the metrics around how we measure this change, because it's something I believe is it's not going away. It's going to be here with us for a long, long period of time that we are going to have to deal with the rapid change, the high attrition, the changes in business, and the challenges of culture as well. I think as also L&D professionals, we've kind of put our business hats on and think about what's our place with the organization. I feel as we're successfully conquering each of these, we're identifying solutions for each of these, we're really uh, making a place for ourselves in the C-suite because ultimately these problems being solved is what's going to make any company successful in the long run. The learning and talent professional has as big an opportunity to have an impact or to make a change for a business in that than anybody else in the organization. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think when we look at the pain points, we've talked about this a little bit already, the speed to readiness that's required right now is just amazing. And the, the rapid change, I know for our clients in terms of job changes is happening at such a pace that it's almost difficult to predict what skills or capabilities are gonna be required six to nine months from now. But, but as Steve and I are preparing again for this, we, we started to look into some different information to really look at the, the pain points specifically in some statistics or data that began to help us. So not only the speed of readiness, we need to help employees see what's possible for them in the future. 
There's a lot of feedback that says, prepare me for the future. I want to be with your company. Help prepare me. As I just mentioned, upskilling is really hard if the job is changing every six months. So we look at the variety of the data and the data is all telling us that whether you're an organization, you're somebody running an organization, or you're an individual employee inside the business, that that process of upskilling, of giving more information, of giving me more capability to do my job is one of, if not the most critical connecting point or engagement point for individuals inside an organization. And we even see that the last step there on Gen Z and millennials really looking at upskilling as something that is not just given to them but it's a request. They're reaching out. They're trying to find more. And I think organizationally, we look at that and say that then we've got to go focus as a leader in the organization on the opportunity, the ability to go provide more skill-based training, education that will help us proceed through and, and make our work environments much more palatable because we're not chasing after what we ought to be doing next, but we're actually driving what's next because we've got the right skills in place. So I love the fact that studies are coming back and they're very, very consistent. Upskilling is absolutely critical to the future for an employee and for an employer. One of the things to keep in mind as we're doing this upskilling is the historical form of training of let me teach and then let me test, I think needs to go by the wayside. I really believe that immersive assessments are critical and they come in all shapes and sizes, by the way, but I'm defining immersive assessments, not as putting goggles on, although that is one way of doing it, but rather about putting that learner into a situation and assessing what they know as they're doing it, right? So whether you're ultimately focusing on things like recall or categorization or emphasizing or articulation or decoding things or visual learning, or many other forms of learning, the more that you can put that learner into the environment and see the decisions they're making along the way, course correct them along the way, feedback is critical. And the more that they can learn in a very safe environment, the more that they're going to be effective in uh, putting those skills into place in the field. So we talk about, there are obviously many, many modalities to do this, but we believe that three that deserve some real discussion points today are utilizing games, virtual reality, and video coaching. We're showing an example of a game. This is a branching dialogue where you're working with another character. It might be overcoming uh, sales objections, talking to you know patients through a very difficult conversation or anything on the you know soft skills side, right? It might be management training. It might be customer service. It might be negotiations, but going down different paths, trying out certain things, seeing what the repercussions of your decisions are and seeing you know, what the outcomes are going to be based off of the decisions you're making. The middle image here is a, an example of a virtual reality simulation. Let me invite you into this virtual world. Let me bring you through all these different things. Let me introduce you to these characters. Let me have you take on these activities. And by the way, while you're here, let me give you additional multimedia that you can engage with. And that is something that I think when we think about how we consume content as consumers is something that we're all doing in our day-to-day -day world and certainly is just as relevant uh, in our work world. The last image on the right-hand side is showing about video coaching. Video coaching, I think, is critical. And why is it critical? I think that one is whether it's you know using 
your computer or use your mobile device, ultimately giving somebody uh, certain message points that they need to deliver. Looking at the way that the words that they're using, the ums that they're using, the us they're using, right? The eye contact they're using, giving them automatic feedback, which I think we all want. We want real-time automatic feedback on how we're doing. And then delivering that to their manager to be able to look at to give some real additional feedback is, I think, critical. The experience inside learning is critical to the engagement. We can't just provide standard learning that we provided five years ago or seven years ago and expect to create engagement. We may create learning, but the engagement becomes critical. And I think beginning to look at tools along the lines of games and virtual reality, video coaching, and there's a number of other systems and technologies that can help you with this, how you create that experience becomes very, very critical. I'm reading and learning all the time. And sometimes I'll go through things that are honestly not connecting with me because there's not that level of engagement. And so I move on from that activity. And I know that if I'm doing that, then there's many others that are doing that as well. We've got to immerse or capture people in a way that gives them the opportunity to not just learn once, but learn multiple times in multiple modalities as well. We can't just find ourselves in a position of, hey, I'm just going to build e-learning content. It's got to be something that creates a unique experience. And I think as a part of the impact on your organization, you need to be considering what that unique experience is for you. From company A to company B, for each of you, you've got to go create your own model of that experience and use the right tools to be able to help you get into that mix. The idea here is not to make it complicated, but to make it simple, but simple in a way that creates, again, your own experience for your particular organization when you look at learning. One, one thing, Chris, that you said I, I want to hone in on a little bit is repetition, right? With all three of these modalities, whether it's a game that someone might want to come back to because they want to perform better, or it's a virtual world that someone wants to come back and they want to explore different parts or it's a video coaching simulation where someone's going to practice over and over again until they get to uh, a score that is considered high enough that they're satisfied and their manager satisfied. With all three of these modalities, there's that level of repetition. And with repetition, it's going to drill that information into our brains. So that's one thing to think about. And I, I talk about this certainly from the um, lens of gameplay a lot, but it's just as relevant when it comes to any three of these modalities. It's pretty rare that learners come to their trainers and say, gosh, I'd love to take your course three or four times. But the reality is with these modalities, that's happening on its own, right? And I think that the more that we can deliver content in a way that our learners are consuming it in their day-to-day -day real lives outside the office, the more that it's gonna be effective because that's how they want to engage with content, period. And that wraps up our editor's cut of this webinar session. Remember, if you liked what you heard here, you can just go to the episode notes below and click through to the full length video recording of this webinar session on our YouTube page. And until our next episode, keep on rocking your learning. <laughs>